Good evening and welcome to Direct Impact Broadcasting, the station of growth and transformation. Affiliate of Creative Broadcasting presents Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson with your host, Taiwana Wilson, as she welcomes her guest to the studio. Welcome to Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson. I am your host, Taiwana Wilson. A little bit about myself. I am your award-winning leadership maven, medical laboratory scientist by background, best-selling author, founder and CEO of Trendy Elite Media Group and Trendy Elite Coaching and Consulting Services, executive director with the John Maxwell team, and Maxwell Disc Certified Consultant and co-owner of Direct Impact Broadcasting Network. Before we bring on my special guest, I want to share a few announcements. I am booking guests for this podcast through the remainder of 2020. So if you have a leadership message that you want to share that the listeners can be positively impacted by, please go on to directimpactbroadcasting.com to submit your interest. We also have a new podcast on the network called SOS for Leaders, offering you practical strategies that you can use in both your personal and professional life, all within 20 minutes or less. So these are quick, practical strategies that you can apply today. Along those lines, make sure you grab your autographed copy of Leadership Tidbits book, now on sale at CoachTWilson.com. So please grab your copy today. Today's special guest, Ms. Nazira Hawk. Nazira Hawk is a virtual attorney based out of Los Angeles, California. Nazira counsels U.S. and international clients on obtaining and protecting trademarks and copyrights, branding strategies, IP portfolio management, trade secrets, data protection, GDPR, and U.S. privacy law compliance and other commercial matters. As a creative entrepreneur and small business owner herself, Nazira loves working with startups and creative professionals and has represented clients in cannabis, technology, design, fashion, and entertainment. One of the first attorneys to successfully obtain federal trademark protection in the cannabis industry Nazira was named in the Daily Journal's Top Women Attorneys for 2017. In 2015, she has been recognized as a super lawyer's rising star in Southern California for intellectual property, an award made to only 2.5% of attorneys in the region. She is often featured in legal and business outlets as an expert in intellectual property. Her latest interview on intellectual property rights for cannabis brands was published on Yahoo Finance. She also recently served on the board of directors of the South Asian Bar Association of Southern California. Nazira holds the honor of being both a California attorney and a barrister in England and Wales, having been called to the bar at Lincoln's Inn in London. She attended the University of Southern California's Gold School of Law, where she was awarded the Dean's Merit Scholarship. In the UK, she received law degrees from BPP Law School in Leeds and Northumbria University, graduating with honors in Newcastle. 
During her spare time, Nazaria loves hanging out with her husband and their pet cat, Kimba, Kiba, while entertaining friends and family. As a virtual attorney, she loves traveling to new countries and exploring new destinations while working for the protection and growth of her clients' businesses. Being virtual helps Nazaria save on traditional costs of running a law firm and allows her to pass on those savings to her clients while providing top-quality services. Good evening, good evening. Nazira, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here. How are you doing? I am doing well. I am so excited to have you on and learn more about you and your business and how you've been able to utilize your leadership and what you're doing with your clients. Absolutely. I I can't wait to dive in. Well, let's jump right in and tell the listeners a little bit about you and your leadership journey. Um, Sure. So um, as introduced, I am Nazaira. I'm an attorney, and I specialize in intellectual property and Internet law and business law. Uh, But when I started off as a lawyer, I was working in um, law firms in downtown Los Angeles, and I got to work on some really, really fun projects. Um, I was working in the cannabis industry for some time, but on the brand side to protect their brands. I worked on uh, projects with animation studios such as Disney and Marvel, and uh, basically worked on protecting the creative expressions and whatever creativity that was put out by artists or by studios by, or even companies. And I, I enjoyed it. Um, I think I, I loved the challenge of working in cutting-edge areas of law, and it gave me a lot of joy when I saw that my work was helping in building a client's business, and they were able to scale their business because of the work that we were doing. And it was, it was a lot of fun, but I think I felt that something was missing. I didn't like the billable hours lifestyle that lawyers have. And I was just getting a little burnt out staying in the corporate environment. And around the same time that I was feeling that, I got married in 2018. And that kind of changed my whole perspective. I felt that I spent so much time with my work. It, It kind of takes away time that I could be spending with my husband and with my family. And I just it was it was almost like deciding, you know, out of nowhere. It wasn't really planned or anything. But I just decided that I, I think I'm done with being in this corporate world. I still want to continue doing the work that I'm doing because I think it's so fun and it's so important at the same time. But I wanted to do it in my own way, on my own terms, um, so I could travel. You know, I wasn't restricted to one geographical location. I wasn't going to downtown Los Angeles every day to do my work, I could, I could, you know, travel, be independent that way, but at the same time have also more control on my finances, where my business was coming from, and that I wasn't really relying on one particular paycheck coming in every day because it was just, you know, getting, I think, too much for me, the, the pressure, the corporate world, everything together. So all of that combined, I decided to go on my own, and I started my own virtual practice. So it's been about one year or one and a half years that I'm in, and it's been amazing. There's so much that I've learned. 
um, along the way. And uh, yeah, I'm still learning and growing, but it, it's been so much fun. And to practice law in, in a modern way, in, in a different way than people are used to practicing. There's not a lot of virtual attorneys out there, but I, I wanted to sort of not, I wouldn't say spearhead because there are some virtual attorneys out there, but you know, I wanted to take this a bit forward. And even though the, the practice is virtual, the services feel like you would get from um, you know, a lawyer that you're, you're meeting in person. I, you know, I have Zoom calls, I have the phone calls with clients and regular email interactions. So they feel that they're, you know, they still get to talk to me and have more access to me. Um, but, you know, it, it gives me the freedom to travel and decide my own time. So, you know, that would, that would be in a nutshell about my leadership journey so far. That's awesome. That is awesome to hear you uh, put really put your family first, your self-care first, and find an innovative, innovative way to still practice law and do what you love, but in a fashion that's uh, less time-constrictive and really fits your lifestyle better. So I think that's what leaders do. They find innovative ways to still excel and still get their message out uh, to the clients and the customers and their team that need them. So that's awesome. Yeah. I am excited to, to hear <laughs> that. And that's, I mean, that's just really cool when, you know, as women, we, we think about, you know, what, a lot of times we are bogged down with, mm-hmm. with work and it's a work, 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 work. And to find that you found a, a way that works for you and your family, but you did not uh, have to uh, – put anything on hold or you didn't have to compromise anything, it's awesome. So cheers yeah. to you and, and best you. Of, of wishes. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. So leaders come from different backgrounds and we all have our different strengths and our different experiences. What do you feel has been beneficial for you to be able to thrive as a leader in your business and, and continue to open up doors for you to be successful? Um, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, as you pointed out, leaders come from all kinds of background. I think my background played a very big part. I, I come from a family of immigrants. So my family migrated to the U.S. from Bangladesh. And like any, um, I think, immigrant child, you know, you're kind of the, the whole idea of working hard, integrity, uh, all of that is kind of ingrained in you as a child. And if you know anything about South Asian parents, you know they're very strict. <laughs> they're very, very strict when it comes to their kids' studies and careers and everything. So that um, from an early age was kind of ingrained in me that you know you have to make something of yourself, you have to work hard. And it, it stayed with me. So even uh, when I grew up and I when, you know, into my work life or I was even when I was studying and after studying, graduated and started working, that always stayed with me that, you know, you kind of have to be, um, you know, you, you, you have to be hardworking, that's there, but also the fact that you have to come up with new ways, you have to be creative to, to uh, go forward in life, to get ahead in life. And I kind of used all of that uh, experience that I had as, as a child growing up and applied it in my life, uh, in, in my work life, because um, when I wanted to leave the corporate world, 
uh, one of the reasons also was that it was just the environment that you need you talked about that as women we always have to prioritize work 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 and you kind of put yourself second you forget about yourself like self-care for women I think for us it's always like okay let us take care of everyone first and then we'll get to ourselves and it was the same even when I was working in a corporate setting most of the time I was the only female attorney at least that was true for my last job like we had about six seven um, attorney, uh, male attorneys each heading one department and my department was IP so I was heading that department but I was literally the only female attorney and so a lot of the times we would even, uh, you know, we would collaborate on projects. But I, I saw that, you know, that the that side of the woman used to come out there as well. Like you kind of put yourself last. Like okay, let every let me help on everyone's projects first, um, and then I'll I'll come to mine and I'll just work extra hours to just you know finish my stuff. And I, I at first I used to get annoyed with myself. Honestly, I used to resent that bit of me. It's like why am I doing this? I know that I have to work longer. <laughs> if I'm, you know, helping everyone else out with their work. But then I realized that there's no point of being mad. That's just, you know, how we're trained as women to think. Um, and, you know, coming from that immigrant background, I always wanted to put my best foot forward and try to, you know, prove myself and, uh, oh, that I am good. You know, I, I, I know what I'm doing. I, I'm good at my work. Here's my work. See the quality of my work. See how hard I'm working. So all of that, I think, at, at one point, that you know used to annoy me because, as I said, I was like, okay, how do I say no? How do I put myself first? But then I realized that there's no point of being mad at that. It's just who I am. That's just part of me. I like helping people out. I, I like working in a team environment. I like collaborating. And so I can take all of that. And even when I have my own virtual practice, I can use that. You know, all of those skills that I had, but only this time. I can actually set my own time frame, own boundaries. So even now when I work with clients or I have my virtual team that supports me, um, it's all very collaborative. And even with my clients, I don't really work with them just as their, you know, a lawyer that they come to whenever there is bad news. Because, you know, I'm a transactional attorney and uh, I work with the clients for on their brand protection side and also help them with their e-commerce compliance side. I get to work with them from the very beginning that they start their business or when I start working with them, it is at a stage where, you know, they need help with figuring out their portfolios, uh, their intellectual property portfolios, how to design that, you know, how to license it, how to leverage it, all of that. I think that quality of mine where I liked working on other people's projects as well to help them um, and uh, to give the client a more holistic approach to solving their uh, their legal problems that they're having in their business. I actually use that with my clients now. I turned it around and, you know, more than it being on, you know, helping other people for their projects and putting myself last, I've made that into a leadership skill that I can look at a client's business from kind of like a holistic point of view and think that, okay, I'm not only going to address this one particular issue that the client came with, there's other things that needs to be addressed in the business. And so that's how I would look at it. So, you know, it, it has, it's definitely helped me because that grit and that uh, ambition is still there. It will always be there, you know, just to approve the quality of your work. Um, and that comes from, yeah, that comes from my childhood. That comes from the immigrant background. Um, so, yeah, I, I've 
now that now that I'm talking through it, actually, I see that how all of that has influenced in how I lead my business now and how I work with my clients now. Yes, how you grow up definitely has an Im- impact and influence on how you lead. And I think that was important that you say, you know, you grew up having to work hard and look for creative ways to move forward. And it seems to be paying off for you, especially right now and in a time where, you know, people have been thrusted into being creative and using innovation and using technology who's not had to use it before. So it sounds like you've been able to have that ingrained in you to find some innovative solutions that has worked for you. Absolutely. And, you know, as you mentioned, right now, like the climate is so uncertain, the economic climate, and a lot of brick-and-mortar businesses uh, were struggling. I think initially, uh, I mean, they are still struggling, but initially the struggle was, oh, my God, how are we going to survive this whole situation if, you know, the economy shut down for three, four months where people can't really go out and buy as they used to. And if you're a brick-and-mortar business, it really hits home. Um, and I, I've seen that with not only with some of my clients, but just generally <clears throat> when talking to people, that you understand the frustration and, and the worries that they have that, okay, what, what's going to happen to my restaurant or what's going to happen to my dance studio? Uh, but, you know, I'm also amazed that, you know, how quickly, amazed in a very good way, that how quickly people sort of bounce back from that mindset. Um, one of my clients actually, um, she is um, she owns a dance studio, and during this when this crisis started, our biggest concern was whether or not her business will stay afloat because obviously her whole business is centered around people coming in to take dance lessons from her, and we you know had a conversation uh, about it, and we decided that you know one thing she can do is. Uh, she can go virtual, and this was before the whole uh, the whole trend. I wouldn't say trend; that's just not, that doesn't really describe it properly. But but the whole pattern started of businesses, uh, you know, shifting to the virtual mode because of the crisis. We somehow were able to predict it, uh, uh, you know, a little in advance because of things that were going around the world. We knew that this was going to hit the U.S., you know, more or less at, at some time. And we needed to be prepared for that. And one of the suggestions that I had and the ideas that we came up with, like, you know, what if you switch to providing online classes? Um, do it through Zoom, do it through Skype, you know, start small and then, you know, you can build it into a membership site maybe. But just start small and start talking about these options with your client customers so you're able to pivot. Like you don't have to completely stop your business, you just do it in a different way. And it's worked out. She, you know, she talked to her clients and explained that should this happen, should we have to, you know, close our doors, we want to continue doing this online. And that's what they're doing now. It's amazing that they switched to the virtual mode. And, um, yeah, they're doing just fine. And she's even working on developing a membership site uh, to make it, you know, to make it more, uh, to make it more accessible so there's no tech issues and all of that. But, I mean, just the fact that she was able to pivot, it's just, it's just amazing. And, and, and I think for me it was great uh, that I could help my clients adjust with the virtual mode because I've been virtual for the past one year. 
so I kind of went through the initial stages of figuring out all of the tech and you know figuring out how best to communicate. So I was able to actually bring that experience in during this time and and help some of my closest clients that needed to do that transition. But yeah, it's it's just amazing that during this time that people have to be so creative. They are being really creative. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. That's awesome that they were able to find a virtual way to yeah. be able to keep their business sustainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now that's the wave of the future because everybody wants to connect. That's the, the big thing is everybody wants to connect, especially if you are in a time where you're not able to see people in person and interact like you usually do, Zoom and Skype and some of the other uh, live streaming and, and some of the other ways. Uh, has been a great source to be able to connect. So I think that's great that you were able to help your client kind of see this before it came to a point of being a necessity. Yeah, absolutely. And we, you know, were ready. We prepared all the e-commerce compliance documents that needs to go with it because that is also something um, that doesn't, you know, people don't really think about it when they're in a creative flow or when they're in a crisis. The last thing you want to think about is legal compliance documents. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that gets, uh, you know, this just gets pushed and said, like, oh, we'll think about it later. But it is is so important because if you're not in compliance in the middle of all this, you can get, you know, you can get hit with a penalty or some, um, some of your uh, existing customers or people who are subscribing to your email list might just say that, you know, they're not handling our data properly or maybe there's a leak of data. All of that, you know, it just sounds like, oh, why do I want to think about all of that right now when we're already in the middle of a crisis? But it just, it's like basic things that you need to have in place in order for you to have a successful online business. And we, because we were able to predict this would happen, this would happen and that the ship needs to be made. We were prepared document-wise as well. So but when they launched, uh, you know, everything was in order, the privacy policies, the terms and conditions, the consent forms that you need from your, uh, from your customers, all of that, you know, we, we were ready. So I think, you know, that's also, that's also really awesome when you kind of look at the business from, sort of like a bird's eye view and realize that, okay, if we were, we're going to make a shift to going online, if we're going to make a shift to going virtual, we need to have all the compliance documents ready so that when we're going virtual, we're good to go. Uh, even when you're, you know, not completely virtual, but you have a physical presence in the market as well as a, uh, an online presence, it's good to think about all of that just so that, you know, your website and everything is in order, you, you're, you're coming off as credible. But definitely when you're going to make the move to where your business is going to be primarily online, definitely, definitely, like, those things need to be looked at. And I'm just happy that, you know, we were able to do it before uh, the launch happened. Most of the time what happens with, um, with my clients when, when I do start helping them is that they have every – you know, they have a business that's up and running. They, they have an online presence. They have a physical presence. And then I go in and, and fix all of the documents, everything that needs to go in place. But, you know, this was a rare time when we kind of did the documents first and then did the launch. But I think that is something also anyone who is listening to this podcast or generally people should be aware of that when you want to run an online business, just make sure all of 
those things are kind of checked off. Those are very basic and they don't take very long to do. But just, you know, speaking to your attorney and just sorting out the documents you would need, all the protections you would need in place, just so that, you know, your business can run smoothly. And it's the same thing as if you're running your business in, in the physical world versus the virtual world. It's the same thing. The same rules apply. The same laws apply. So even when you're making the shift to virtual, just to have that in mind that, you know, you, you would need to have all the proper policies in place and just be compliant so you're safe and the people that you're working with, they can also trust you with giving your giving their information with you because they know, like, it'll be protected, you're following the law, and, you know, everything is in order. That makes perfect sense. You're right. I, it's easy to, to get up and going, but you want to yeah. make sure that you have the proper uh, documents in place, the, the proper uh, compliance steps followed. As exactly. an attorney... As an attorney, I'm sure that you've had to learn to ask great questions uh, over your career. What do you feel has been the, the best questions that you've asked that you feel like, wow, because I've asked that question, I'm able to think about X or I'm able to move my business in X way? Huh. That's a really good question. I, I feel like I learn something new every day, you know, honestly, like even now when I um, when I'm sort of navigating this this time um, along with my clients, I'm learning something new from them every day. But if I had to think about one question, um, my God, it's it's hard to pick one, but I'll 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 pick one. It had to do with, and it has nothing to do with uh, with law actually. It has something to do with uh, business and marketing. But that kind of like that was that was so uh, crucial for me, uh, and it has to do with email marketing. I was talking to uh, one of my clients about. And it, this, this knowledge came from my client. I wasn't really big on um, social media myself. Um, I just recently launched my business Instagram page. Uh, but, I, you know, I was getting mostly clients to referrals. And I didn't really think about email marketing or anything like that. But I was talking to my client about it. And she basically needed subscription forms and consent forms properly done. Um, so she could accept email addresses, so people could subscribe to her um, email list. And we needed, we were basically working on the disclaimer, the legal disclaimer language and the forms. And I asked her, she was so, you know, particular about what kind of language she wants. So it was, it was, it was very, I was very curious. It was very interesting to me. And so I asked her, I was like, wow, you're, you're, you're really, really, serious about this um, email marketing campaign and you're putting in so much effort like no one really worries about the legal disclaimer language if it sounds nice or friendly but she even took the time to do that like she's like no I want to see the disclaimer language and I want to edit it so it sounds friendly it doesn't sound that you know that that serious because that I want my clients to under, customers to understand that yeah we're protecting their uh, data there's uh, you know and we're following GDPR we're following CCPA all of the laws but I also want them to feel like it's, it's okay. This is not such a big deal. Like it's nothing serious. So she took all of that time with the language for the, for the, um, for the legal disclaimers. And I asked her, I said, you know, why is that? And, and she said, well, um, email marketing is huge. Not a lot of people talk about it. Don't, a lot of people don't understand it. People put too much, too much 
uh, focus on their social media. But, you know, tomorrow, Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn, what if they shut down and there goes all your following? But if you have people's email addresses, you can always reach out to them and you can do your marketing through them. You have a direct connection with them. You just, you know, arrive in their inbox. And I was like, okay, wow, that is that's actually amazing. Yeah, that's so true. And she said, yeah, so your email list is yours to keep forever. And then she said, the reason why I'm also very particular about the copy of the legal disclaimer, I know people don't really pay attention to that, but I think that's also part of my brand. Even though this is the legal part, this is still part of my brand. So whatever copy we're putting out there, it needs to sound like I'm, I'm saying it. You know, not anyone else. It, it, it cannot sound too stuffy, too lawyery. It has to have my brand voice in it. And I was completely blown away. It's like, oh, my God, this is so great. Like, this is such great piece of information and, and guidance. You know, I, I never thought of it that way, that, yeah, even when you're writing legal documents, and that actually even helped me uh, prepare legal documents for her because I knew, like, okay, this was her brand voice. But also for other clients, now that's something I actually ask my clients, and they're very, very surprised, like, okay, I asked them, like, you know, we're preparing this privacy policy for your website. It's not going to be, you know, a secret uh, contract that only you see and another person sees that you're signing. This privacy policy is going to be up there on your website for the whole world to see or terms and conditions on your website for the whole world to see. And I asked them, like, you know, what is your brand voice? What is What do you want it to sound like? And even though this is this can look to you as the most mundane thing, even something as, you know, stuffy or as mundane as a privacy policy, as you might think, that can, you know, have its own, own, like a fun approach to it, you know, we can give it a fun approach, you know, we can add some, even some jokes or some something in it if, you know, you want that, but it basically has to represent your brand. And, it, it's helped me because whenever I talk about it, you know, with my clients, they really appreciate that extra effort. And they're like, you know, not a lot, a lot of lawyers will ask us what our brand voice is for like privacy policies. But the fact that you are, yeah, let's work on it. Let's make this privacy policy sound fun. So when people come to our website and they see that or even the little cookie banner that pops up, you know, we do the text for that and the legal disclaimers and the cookie banners. And, you know, my clients are like, yeah, let's make that fun as well. So, you know, that was a great uh, piece of advice and information that I got. And just because I asked the question, why are you so, you know, why are you so invested in making this little legal disclaimer language sound a particular way? So I would say that was, yeah, that was an amazing piece of advice I got, an amazing piece of information. Wow, that is amazing. And I've had to try and learn about the email marketing, and you're right. It's a, it's a big deal and yeah. to, ha- to have that question, what if Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, all of it, what if it goes away today, then what would you do? What would be the health of your business or your brand? So yeah. that was critical advice, and that was great advice that she gave you. Yeah. And I know you t- you talked a lot about uh, having those disclaimers, the privacy policy, the terms and conditions, uh, and you work with your clients on those. Do you yourself have like some kind of generic toolkit uh, that people could get from you who are doing the uh, online business or 
any references on where they could find that in case if they are not operating uh, in compliance with those things? Oh, absolutely. Um, so I have I've created these templates that are very easy to use and they're fillable and I have little instructions next to them, like, you know, how to fill them up. So it depends on the, on the client itself. Some clients prefer very, if they're already, you know, in business for about more, more than a year. Usually I've seen clients who are in business for about two years. They're making a certain amount of revenue. They want their privacy policies and everything to be customized. So I would prepare it from scratch for them, you know, with the brand voice and all of that. But there are some clients, you know, who are starting out or, um, you know, who, who probably have not hit that revenue goal yet and they don't need anything that, uh, that detailed, that particular. They can use those templates that I, um, that I've created and I actually offer them as a package. So we would do the, the general privacy policy and um, there's privacy laws that came out in California earlier this year on January 1st, 2020. It was called, it's called the CCPA. Um, and it's the first privacy law of its kind in the U.S. And I, I think more states will follow. But for now, in America, it's basically you're doing business with California residents. You have to comply with, um, with, with the CCPA. So the general privacy policy along with the CCPA, along with the cookie policy, all of that I basically offer in a bundle. Um, so right now I don't have it up on my website um, because we're still working on the tech aspect of it. But I basically have these templates. So whenever I, uh, you know, an inquiry comes in, I, I give the clients the option that you can either get the templates, which is obviously like one-fifth or one-seventh, I would say, of the price of what you would pay if, you know, you want a customized uh, privacy policy in terms and condition. That applies to more businesses, you know, who are um, generating a certain amount of revenue. Um, and have a lot of data that they're handling, basically. If you have a lot of um, co consumer data that you handle, like email address, name, uh, date of birth, all of that, if it's a lot, then you, you should go for the customized part. But if you're starting out and you're still new um, or, you know, you're, you just want to have something basic up, up there for now just so that you're compliant, then, yeah, I would recommend you go for the templates because... They are very easy to use. The, the languages are super simple. And um, I, I've, I've gotten like really good feedback from it. So I, the, the clients that have used it, then I ask them, like, you know, do you have any feedback? How can we improve? They actually said that, no, it's, it's, it's perfect the way it is because it's very, very easy to use. So that I would say, you know, if, if anyone's interested, like the, those templates would be great. I would advise that, you know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be that you get all the templates um, from one place. If you want, like, you, you, can, you can speak to a lawyer that you like and have them prepare um, some templates for you. And you can even, like, if you don't like it, you can even have it prepared by another lawyer. But the main thing is, the important thing to remember is don't download forms from the Internet if you don't know the source of it. And by that, I mean that you should have your templates or your contracts. These are all contracts, essentially. Even though they're up on your website, they are a contract between you and people who are visiting your website and are a contract between you and people who are giving you their personal information. So um, 
it's the same uh, thing I would say about any contract that you should get it prepared by a lawyer or you should buy from a lawyer. There are some forms online I've seen that are that are good, but they're a good start. They 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 you know they're good if you know the law and you know how to apply the law. So they, those forms are actually good for lawyers because once a lawyer sees a template form, they're able to customize it. You know, put more things in it, take things out of it to make it compliant. But for say, if you didn't go to uh, you know law school or you don't have uh, training on internet law, it'll be very difficult for you to sort of understand or decide if this form is compliant or not. And more often than not, they're, they're, they're not completely compliant because no one has a legal obligation to update them constantly. They're free forms that are on the internet, you know. And they, they most of the time actually end up hurting you more because you think you're compliant and you put things up there, but they're not accurate. That lands you in more trouble than when you don't have anything. So I would say that, you know, if um, if anyone's interested in having access to um, legal documents for their website, that you seek out a lawyer who can, you know, a lawyer that you like, that, that can prepare it for you. Once you have it, once you have the template, you can update it yourself. That's what I tell my clients, that I'm going to give you one set of templates, and then it is my responsibility to let you know if there's been a change in the law, uh, if there's been no change in the law, I'd recommend that once every year you do an audit of your, like you would do an audit of your business, you do an audit of your online business practices overall. And if you have to update it, you just update it as you go along or you at least do it once a year. But yeah, for um, those documents, I would definitely say go to a lawyer. And there are, you know, not only me, but there are other attorneys now who are in the virtual space and who actually offer templates. So um, that you can buy from them and you can fill it out and they'll even review it for you. As attorneys, we're kind of bound to do it. So if you're buying from us anything, we have to ethically, by ethically, I mean like, you know, these are state bar rules. We are required to review the document and let, let you know if you've done it right and if anything needs to be changed. So you get that when you're working with an attorney. But if you're not working with an attorney and you're just downloading stuff online, uh, First of all, you don't know if that is accurate up to date. And secondly, there's no one to check your work. There's no one you can call up and say, hey, I filled this out. Can you take a look at it and see if everything's in order? So, yeah, I, I would say uh, get your legal documents from an actual attorney, Some, any attorney that you like. That's important. That makes great sense. You definitely want to, if you're going to have an online business or business in the virtual space, you definitely want to make sure that you have credible, credible documents because yeah. everything on the Internet is not uh, real news, as they say. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If it's not real, it can be trusted, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but you want to save yourself some time and money later uh, yeah. by making sure that you have your, your documents and stuff in order. Absolutely. It saves you so much money down the line because it's more expensive to actually fix a problem than if you've got everything in order from the start. It's a relatively small investment. But when you land in trouble, something's not in compliance, there's one of your users um, filed a complaint against you, you know, with, this, with like for us in California, it would be the attorney general's office or, you know, makes a complaint against you that 
you're not processing their information properly or you can't give them access to their information when they ask for it. Like all of that comes up, that is an expensive, expensive problem to fix. So yeah, for that reason, I'd say from the very beginning, just be a little aware uh, and, you know, be open to be open to having someone else help you with it. Like, I feel like as entrepreneurs, I'm guilty of that myself, that sometimes we feel, especially as female entrepreneurs, we feel that we can do everything by ourselves or we should be doing everything by ourselves. But it doesn't work. And I learned that really quick when I tried building my own website. Like, I was crying because I didn't know, <laughs> I had no idea what to do. And I was like, why am I doing this to myself? I don't understand this. I'm not a pro. And then I finally hired someone. Uh, she was a lovely girl, and she was so smart, so helpful. She understood what I wanted my website to be like, and she prepared it for me, and I was so happy. It's like, okay, this is so much better. <laughs> she, knows <what> she, <laughs> she knows what she's doing, and she gave me something so awesome, uh, you know, as opposed to me trying to work on WordPress and crying my eyes out. <laughs> it's the same thing. And that's the thing about leadership is that you don't have to do it all. You don't have to know it all. Yeah. Great leaders are able to find people who are better at certain things than they are. So, like, you could have done the website, but, yeah. you know, it made more sense for you to get somebody to do the website in which that was their expertise. And exactly. so then you both won. And, yeah. and that's what leaders do. Yeah, yeah. Delegate and, and bring help in when you know, okay, you, you can't do this, just, just bring, the, bring help in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what part, if any, has mentors or coaches had in the progression of your career or business? We hear a lot about mentoring and find mm -hmm. a mentor or find a coach, uh, but what part has it played, if any, on your journey? Um, I would say it's, it's played a very, very important part. So um, I didn't have uh, one particular business coach uh, when I started off, but I was, um, you know, constantly listening to a lot of podcasts, you know, amazing podcasts like yours. And it, it helps you so much, you know, just when you can listen to someone who's already done the work that you're about to do and hear their insight and hear their advice. And it doesn't have to be, you know, just one person. You can listen to multiple people and get, you know, amazing pieces of information from each one of them. And so, you know, I would say that for me, when I started off, like I would, I would actually uh, follow a couple of mentors. And I was in, in touch even with my um, university professors or even my uh, colleagues that I worked with. Um, you know, a mentor can come in different uh, forms, I feel, that yeah, you can have your business coach who's going to help you scale your business and figure out the nitty-gritty details. And at the same time, you have your colleagues or, you know, people who taught you in school. They have so much um, valuable information to share with you. Um, so that, that's been pretty crucial for me, just basically keeping an open mind and allowing you people to share their knowledge and their insight with me. That, that's been very helpful. Awesome. I'm happy that you mentioned you can find mentors and coaches in really various arenas. Sometimes yeah. people always think about mentorship in the traditional 
one-on-one, you know, uh-huh. on-site, in-person, yeah. and, and mentoring really there's a variety of ways to receive mentorship. So I'm happy that you mentioned, you know, you're listening to podcasts or your colleagues or yeah. per- college professors. So yeah. some of our leaders may be uh, struggling with finding mentors or maybe they overthought, you know, mm-hmm. what a mentor is or where to find one. So I think some of the strategies that you just gave uh, will be helpful for our listeners. Yeah, I, I I hope so. You know, I I always um, tell everyone that you know it's collaboration over competition. You can learn so much even from people who are do who are in the same industry as you, and who are doing the same work as you. You know, if they don't, they probably don't even know that they're indirectly helping you out. But if you, even if you you know look at what they're doing and listen to some of the information they're giving out, even there's so much to learn from from there. Um, and that's helped me a lot as well. There's actually a Facebook group called Trademark Attorneys Group. And I became a part of that group just when I was starting out on my own, so about a year ago. And the information that they shared, I'm, I'm a trademark attorney, and they're all trademark attorneys in that Facebook group. So if you think about it, we should be each other's biggest competition. Um, but that group has been such a great source of information and support for me. We all, you know, share our insight. And if there's a problem, if, if you know, if even if there's a question where we get stuck, like we can post it and other trademark attorneys comment on it. And you just learn so much. So I feel that even that sometimes gets overlooked, that people who are supposed to be your competition, if you actually, you know, open your mind and let them in and in a non-competitive manner, you can learn so much from them as well. And, you know, I feel that there's enough for everyone in the economy. So if you collaborate with people you're supposed to compete with, it just helps you grow faster and you learn so much. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, people buy you. They buy that relationship. So there's Plenty of opportunity to go around, and you're, I absolutely agree with that, collaboration over competition. Yeah. I often get asked a question from some of the emerging leaders or some of our young people, where do I find leadership experience, or how do I build my leadership toolbox so that when opportunities come up or I'm applying for college and I want to be able to say that I have leadership experience, where would you tell somebody that they could seek some leadership experience or get leadership experience that they may not even be thinking about? Absolutely. This is such a great question, and it's actually something that I'm very, very passionate about, especially when it comes to young girls. Um, I think leadership is something that's not taught to us in school which it should be, I think so now. (laughs) I think there should be like a leadership course, at least in high school or in college. Um, But it's not something that's taught to you. You you kind of learn other core subjects such as math, science, history, and then you you go off into the world. And leadership experience is so necessary, and even from a young age, I think it's so important. And for young people, um, your leadership experience can start from... I think it can be something as simple as organizing something in school, 
Okay, if you're like the class president or if you're the student union president uh, or you're the president of the drama club, something like that, you know, even when you're that young, that builds leadership skills because you have to learn how to manage and run a club. You have to be popular. You have to be well-liked so people, vote, you know, elect you to be their leader. And it, I think it, it sort of drills into you little pieces of qualities of leadership from an early age. And when you, you know, when you're done with uh, school and you're going off to college, internships are a great way of um, learning leadership skills. And I know it sounds crazy. As an intern, you go and you're simply following orders. But as an intern, you get an insight into someone else's professional world. So you can pick different kinds of internships. So if you, if you have, say, you want to be a marketing major when you go to university, that's something you were thinking about. Um, you could intern at a PR company, and there are different kinds of PR companies, or you can intern at a social media management company, or you can work with a freelance um, graphic artist to understand uh, branding and how to do, you know, work, uh, how to do graphics. And it all sort of helps you develop those skills from different different areas of uh, different kinds of uh, professions. It, it helps you build those skills. So I think internships are a great way, and you can also get involved with your local um, chamber of commerce. They have uh, actually they have really good programs. I know the Los Angeles City Chamber of Commerce has really good programs for young people to get involved in and then pick up leadership skills. But yeah, those I think are you know opportunities that are available to young people from the from the very start, and it's something that we don't really give that much importance to because we think oh it's just you know it's just unpaid internships or it's just school clubs you know how important can that be? But they're so important. I learned so much when I was just in like I I was the president of the debate club in school. I learned so much when I was the president. I I understood what I liked and what I didn't like about um, you know leadership skills about how to run my club uh, how to schedule things how to come up with new events and this was when I was in grade nine but I learned so much from it and it stayed with me still and even my internships were so were so good um, because I got to ask a lot of questions from people who were at the top of their game and they you know when you're when you're a new young intern, they are more open to sharing their knowledge and information with you, you know, because they don't think you're a threat to them or you'll steal their information and leak it. You know, they look at you as someone who wants to learn and grow and, and people will be willing to share that information. So I would say internships are a great way. And once you're in the workforce, uh, I believe it, in whatever um, stage of your career, once you're in the workforce, just taking, you know, just volunteering yourself to take up more responsibility, sometimes that helps. And that helps you uh, get noticed by management for sure, but also just building your own leadership skills because you're volunteering to take on more responsibility. And that that's really helpful. You know, it, it hones your skills. So all of these experiences, it doesn't really start from like going to one place and getting all the skills. I don't think that's how it works. I think it starts from a young age. So whatever opportunities you get to lead or to manage, to support, you, you take it and you, you pick up leadership skills, you know, little by little from each experience and that molds you into the leader you can be in the future. Absolutely, absolutely. I think you are absolutely 
right on that, where you pick up those leadership skills and responsibilities from every uh, experience along your journey. Yeah. When, and I can't let you get out of here without (laughs) asking a question about trademark, because that's kind of a big thing that we see, uh, especially on TV and uh, on social media. So if somebody is determining or thinking about whether to trademark or not trademark, and I know it's a a huge discussion within itself, what would you, uh, what tips would you give somebody who's thinking about, I have this slogan or I have this whatever, should I trademark or should I not trademark? Okay, that's a great question. Um, I'm so happy you asked this question because trademarks are, are, are my jam. I, I love trademarks, not because um, of the, just, just, you know, because of the registration and the benefits it gives you, but also I think the confidence and power it gives you as a, as a business owner. So a trademark, um, uh, as many of you may know, is, uh, is basically a source identifier. That's what we um, look at a trademark for. It lets you identify the source of the goods or services. So it can be your brand name, logo, a slogan, color, sound, any of that that uh, basically helps you set yourself apart from the rest of the market. That's a trademark. So it's, think of it as your brand identity element. So when you're building and growing a business, if you want to be a serious business person with a brand that you know endures and lasts for a long time, think about all the effort you put in to build the image of your brand. Um, that's, a lot goes into it, right? Your brand colors, your brand identity, your brand voice, so much effort goes into that. Now think about it, if someone comes along the way after one year or two years of you being in business, you've built your brand and says that, I'm sorry, you can't use that name. Uh, or I'm sorry, you can't use that logo because I have something that's very similar to that and I have a registration, so you can't use it. You need to change it, otherwise you're committing trademark infringement. And you're faced with this dilemma that you either face trademark infringement and rack up millions of dollars in lawsuits, or you basically give up this brand that you've developed for this whole time. And that happens so much. That happens so often. And it happens mostly to new entrepreneurs you know, who, are, who are just starting their business. And it shouldn't happen. And that's why you need to have a trademark in place. So when you are starting your business or you're in business and you haven't done a trademark yet, that's okay. But it's best to get it done as soon as possible when you come up with a name for your brand. So it can be, uh, you know, say, for example, you have a podcast with the name of your podcast. If someone has a clothing company, it's the name of the clothing company, like Forever 21 or Express or Next. Um, but whatever it is, it's, it's the name of your brand. Once you've come up with it, uh, do a clearance check. That's step one. Speak to an attorney. Do a clearance check to see if the name is even available in the first place. A lot of the times, these names won't, won't come up on a Google search itself to see if it's available, so that doesn't help. But uh, just, a, uh, just a tip for the listeners, you can go to USPTO.gov and go to the trademark section and you can run a basic search. It's a super basic search. You you just enter the name that you're thinking of and see if it returns a direct result. If there is no direct hit, there can still be other trademarks uh, that are registered that are similar to yours, 
but at least you'll know if there's one that is exactly the same name as yours. If there is something that is exactly the same name as yours, don't use that trademark because someone else owns it and they're going to stop you from using it. So that's, I would say that would be my first tip is that you do a clearance check to see if the name, the logo, the color, whatever it is that you want your brand identity to be, if that's available. Second step is if it is available, think about trademark registration. Think about filing that as a trademark. Uh, once you file it as a trademark, um, a lengthy process starts with the USPTO. It's kind of adversarial in nature, so you have to submit legal arguments to prove that you should own the trademark if there is any problem. Sometimes, and this is very rare, an, an application goes in smoothly. There's no office actions, no investigation from the USPTO. It just goes in smoothly. But most of the time, there's some kind of inquiries from the USPTO because they want to know if you're um, using this uh, lawfully in commerce, uh, the name, if you actually, you know, if you will be able to use it in the future, um, and if someone else has similar name registered, all of that goes in. Once that process is done and you have the trademark registration, that is yours to keep. Like that is your name, that is your brand, you own it. And it is amazing because not only does it show that you have the right to use this name um, for your brand, but it also serves as notice to other people that they can't use that name or use that logo for similar goods and services. So it stops them from using your name. And it helps you fight off infringement, which is so huge. If someone, um, say for example, take your podcast um, for, for example, that if you know someone is trying to come out with a podcast and wants to use a name that is similar to yours to make people think that you are associated with this new person because your podcast is doing so well. She kind of wants to use the goodwill and the reputation to advance her own podcast. You can actually stop her from doing that. Um, and that happens once you have a trademark registration. You can get into a licensing agreement. Uh, you can just tell the person that you don't have to use my name without my permission and I'm not getting any revenue, any royalty for it. I can actually license my trademark to you so you can use the license and I get royalty payments for you using it. That's how franchises are created. That's how most chains are created. Chain stores, you know, chain restaurants, that's how it starts. So having a trademark allows you to do that. It allows you to change a bad situation, which is infringement, into a profitable situation. You can actually have a conversation with the infringer you can sue them if you want. You can make them completely stop using your trademark or you can get into licensing agreements with them or you can sell your trademark for a price. And um, like any other assets in your business, a trademark or a copyright, all of these intellectual property uh, registrations, these are all assets that you can buy, sell, license, lease. So it's like any other business asset you would have, but it is so, so important to have this in place because it either makes or breaks your brand or and your business, essentially. So yeah, I would say it's very important um, to get a trademark registration. If you have a serious business, if you want to build a brand that is um, famous, that is durable, that is respectable, all of that, you want to build a brand like that, you need that trademark registration in place. Wow, that was awesome information. That's great information for if you are out here starting a business or you have a brand and uh, wanting your brand to be profitable, yeah. uh, this is a way to be taken serious uh, in 
getting your uh, business trademarked in, in that the name or the logo or the slogan. Yeah. So that is awesome information. So what's next for you? What's next for you personally and professionally, Nazara? Okay. Um, well, I think personally it would be to grow my family. Uh, that's something that I'm looking forward to. Hopefully, hopefully soon. We, I don't know when, but hopefully soon. Just got married in 2018, so still enjoying the married life. But eventually, we would like to grow our family. So that would be on the personal front. And on the professional front, I'm um, I'm I'm actually working on a digital product right now uh, that will help educate business owners about business law, essentially. It's something that um, I'm super passionate about because I think it's so important for business owners to know this side of running a business, that you need to know what laws you have to comply with and how to make the best of it, how to make it profitable. And it's something that I talk to my private clients about, but I was thinking that it's something that I want to bring out to the world. I want to package it into a digital product format, but I don't have the specifics down yet. This is just an idea in my head at this point. But I would say that is my next step professionally. Awesome. And how can our listeners stay connected with you and follow you on your leadership journey? Absolutely. So my Instagram and Facebook, uh, all of it is at IP Law Boutique. So it's at I-P-L-A-W-B-O-U-T-I-Q-U-E. Or you can also search for Nazira Trademark Attorney and I'm going to pop up. So that's my Instagram and Facebook. On LinkedIn, I'm Nazira Hawk. And you can also find my website at www.nhlegal.net. Awesome. And before I let you go, because we could go on and talk, I'm sure, <laughs> another hour or so, because yeah. you have such great information that's valid and people need to know what you offer. Thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah. That is very, I took a lot of notes myself and want to make oh. sure that I have my stuff in order as well. So I love doing these podcasts and interviewing leaders like yourself because I learn so much as well. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm so happy to hear that. So what is that one tidbit you would like to leave the listeners with that they could use in either their personal or professional life that they can start using right away? Um, sure. Um, I think the one piece of advice that I would leave um, for new leaders and new entrepreneurs, both for your personal and professional life, is you know, filter what goes on in your mind, the information you put in your mind. And I think it's helped me a lot uh, over the years because I feel that, you know, there's so much information around you and there's so many things that people are telling you all the time. And when you're starting a business or you're thinking of starting a business or you are running your own business, there's going to be people with lots of advice around you. Some of them will be good, some of them not that great. And sometimes this advice comes from your closest people and they mean well but it might not apply to you or it might not really be good for you in the long run 
So just be wary of that and don't get disheartened by whatever you hear from around you. Just filter what goes on in your mind. You know, any information you put in your mind, just stand guard. I think that Tony Robbins put it really nicely. I was actually listening to one of his um, lectures the other day, and he said that you have to stand guard at the gates of your mind. So what you're feeding your mind will determine what you do in your life and your business. So feed your mind good and positive things that will actually help you. And I think it, he was talking about, you know, reading a good book and listening to inspirational podcasts, um, all of that. But I want to take it a step further and say, even in your personal life, that counts. You know, if people are constantly trying to bring you down or say things negative, like, oh, you're not, oh, this idea is not going to work out, or this is not going to be a success, and, oh, this is too much, you know, all of that, like, don't take it to heart. Sometimes people can just be cynical or sometimes people want your good and they're trying to, I don't know, I guess project their own insecurities onto you, but learn to filter that out. Take the good pieces of advice that they're giving you and the rest, you don't need to worry about it. That's what I do. I just like, you know, zone out. Like, okay, this information is good for me and I think it's valuable for me. I'm actually learning something. The other information is just some person saying, you're crazy, you're not, you're not going to be able to do it. So that is not giving me any value. That's not giving me any structure, any framework to proceed. So I'm just going to block that out. And I had to learn how to do that over the years. It did obviously come naturally to me. Like I'm sure it doesn't come naturally to anyone. You know, we're so affected by what people tell us, by the information we get every day. It's hard and, it, you know, it kind of brings you down. It kind of ruins your, uh, ruins your creativity and it, it ruins your flow. So that's the advice I would give. Just be very mindful of what information you're feeding your mind. And, and be kind to your mind. You know, be nice to your mind like you would be nice to your friend. It's the same thing. Excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent <laughs> advice. It is. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nazira, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to give me the opportunity to interview you. It was definitely an honor and a pleasure to have you on as my guest. So many blessings to you and much success to you and your business and your family and all those connected with you. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to be on your show. I had such an awesome time talking to you. And I want to wish you and your listeners all the very best and sending lots of love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I definitely receive it, and I know that they will as well. Uh, So thank you, listener audience, for tuning in to tonight's show with my special guest, Nazira Hawk, where she shared with us that what you grow up with usually sticks with you, especially when it comes to working hard and having that creative insight to move forward. Be able to look at things holistically, have grit and ambition, have systems in place before you even need them so that you're able to deal with a changing time. When you make an online business, make sure you have all the proper compliance in place. Make sure you have all of those documents in place. You can find mentors and coaches in various avenues and arenas, whether it's listening to podcasts or social media, colleagues, university professors. It doesn't have to always be a traditional route. Collaboration over competition wins every time. 
Leadership skills can start in school with organizing events or internships, and you build leadership skills among all of the experiences that you have in your life. Get involved with local chamber of commerce, and volunteering will definitely help you with your leadership skills. And when you think about trademark, if you have a brand identity or business uh, that you want people to take seriously or you want to be able to monetize it or move it to the next level, think about trademarking. Uh, Trademark could be the brand name, slogan, logo, just to name a few. Again, think about it in terms of your brand identity. Two steps, do a clearance check to make sure that the trademark is even available. And if it is, then you can go to the next step of registration process. And last but not least, she taught us and shared with us to filter your mind with the information that you put in it. There's a lot of information out there. So make sure you stay in guard at the gate of your mind because all information is not meant to settle in your mind and it can get you distracted from your goals. So if you like what you heard tonight and want to listen to previous shows, subscribe at directimpactbroadcasting.com. If you are thinking about starting your own podcast, I would love to have your show on the network. Send me an email at dibroadcasting, that's D-I-B-R-O-A-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G at TrendyEliteLLC.com to learn to learn more. Please tune in next week to hear from another amazing leader. Until then, have a good evening. Thank you, friends, for tuning in to another episode of Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson, where Taiwana speaks with leaders who share nuggets of wisdom that you can use in your personal and professional life. Follow her on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Coach T. Wilson. Connect on LinkedIn or visit www.coachtwilson.com. And remember, in life, learn as much as you can, appreciate often, and lead fearlessly. 